You are listening to the Evolution Exchange Podcast Australia, a melting pot of ideas and inspiration shared by some of the most successful tech leaders in Australia. I'm Matt. I help connect businesses with tech talent, and today I'm your host. So welcome back to another Evolution Exchange podcast. Today I'm joined by three senior leaders within the Melbourne technology industry, where we will be discussing the topic of how to become a learning organisation. Covering areas such as what makes a good learning environment, how to encourage individuals to develop a learning mentality, and some of the biggest challenges companies face when looking to implement a learning culture. Moving on to the three panellists, I'll get to Rizek, I'll get you to start first. I'll get you to introduce yourself, who you are, what you do, uh, and what you're passionate about as well. Good morning, all. Thanks for having me here, Matt. Great to be here. I'm Rizeka, often called Raz. I work as a digital delivery manager at Orient. My role is primarily working with cross-functional teams to help create great experiences for our customers. A cross-functional team is typically about eight to 10 people. I believe the role to be an intersect of tech, ops, and business. My passions are reading, a few different types of sports, and a lot of TV. Thank you. Awesome. That's thanks me, for Matt. that. And Matthew, I'll move on to you next. Uh, thanks, Matt. Um, so this is Matthew here, and uh, I'm currently working as an engineering manager for Zendesk. I have about over 10 years of uh, experience in leadership. So currently, I'm leading a team in uh, Zendesk, focusing more on the web widget side. And in terms of my passion, I think um, my passion is to you know, um, grow a team, you know, help engineers to grow in their career and mostly focusing on leadership, you know, on how I can bring leadership to the next level. Um, that's what I have passion about. Thanks, Matt. Awesome. Thanks, Matthew. And Anki. Uh, hey, everyone. My name is Ankita Shiva, and I'm the director of Mobile at Transpire. Uh, Transport is a digital consultancy specializing on mobile design and cloud, and I lead up the mobile practice. I've been with the company for a couple of years now, and my background is in software development as well. Uh, I was specializing in mobile before moving into more team leadership and management roles. Um, I love working with people and, you know, like helping them to bring out their true potential. And I'm really passionate about technology and business and using technology to drive really good uh, business outcomes. Um, that's a little bit about me, and I'm really looking forward to this chat today. Awesome. Thank you for that. And thanks, everyone, for your introduction. So, uh, as mentioned before, just wanted to preface kind of the whole conversation today with just the first question, which is kind of defining uh, what is a learning organization. So, I'll pass it on uh, to you, Raz, first and get you to yeah, give us your thoughts on what you think it involves. Sure, Matt. Um, I think when we spoke about it as well, the topic as like, it's a pretty broad topic, you know, what is learning? So when I think about learning in the context of this topic of how to become a learning organization, for me at its core, it's about an organization's approach in its culture to learning. Learning for me is beyond having systems in place. Yeah, these are undoubtedly very important. And in fact, I believe organizations should have something robust in place. But for me, equally important is the way we go about learning. Because without having the latter, the former becomes a set of tools, you know, that could be underutilized and not helping individuals reach and realize their potential and more, right? For me, a company, funnily enough, in a way, is it's, it's a living body. Why? Because you have the people in it who are the prize jewels that can make anything happen, right? So, so on this topic, I believe if we have people at the heart of it, it's, it's a perspective and compass of what we want to achieve. Because it's the people who are awesome. doing it. Yeah. 
Awesome. Thanks, Haraz. And Matthew, I'll pass it on to you and get your your definition on a learning organization. Um, to me, I think a learning organization is basically a company or an organization that focuses on individual growth. You know, that will actually help you know the individual to you know um uh, establish you know what what they see the best of themselves you know in the future. But another organization, it will have to be something that is more than individual. It has to be something we can form the, the wider group of organization that actually focus on giving the tools, the materials, and also cultivating the culture to encourage individuals to learn. So I think it's not something that should rely on individuals to cultivate the, the culture to learn, but it's something that will come from top to down. Awesome. Thanks, Matthew. And Anki. Well, I'm clever enough to actually steal someone else's definition for learning organization. <laughs> so um, I don't know whether you guys have read, there is a book called The Fifth Discipline written by Peter Sanjay, a very famous book, and it describes the art and practice of learning organization. And it defines learning organization is an organization which encourages both individuals and groups to keep on learning and sees that as a basis of sustainable competitive advantage. So, um, you know, like most of the time, uh, the skills that we all possess mostly, uh, the shelf life of those skills are like two to five, three to five years, possibly. So if we don't continuously invest on upscaling or upleveling, your company is not going to uh, have that, not going to stay relevant or be competitive in the market. So a place where there is, uh, you know, like a continuous improvement, innovation and experimentation is considered essential and given priority, that's basically in my mind, a learning organization is uh, where people are continuously learning and improving and not just one individual, but then their company I'm talking about. I love the definition, Anki. Awesome. <laughs> I'll, I'll have to read that, read that book. Thanks for that. Thanks everyone for your definition. So we'll jump straight into kind of the first uh, actual question after kind of getting getting understanding what everyone's thoughts are around a learning organization and the first one uh, from you Raz was what makes an organization a great learning place so maybe get you to answer that first or maybe give some context as to your thoughts around that question sure so my thoughts around the question was um I think in some shape or form you know we're all part of organizations that have some sort of learning in different you know at different points of maturity openness etc it got me thinking to like, hmm, if you have to aspire to something, what does great look like? So that, that's that's from where my question came from. Um, I think leveraging on sort of what Anki mentioned and Matt, uh, Matthew, sorry, um, I believe, as I mentioned a little while earlier, um, I believe it's in the culture, so that translates to actions, right? So for me, a few, some key things are, an organization should really be at its core being willing to embrace change, experiment with new approaches, Right. Um, an example, I provide an example from work a couple of years ago. Um, so we have developers, you've got UXers, you've got visual designers. Everyone's, you know, building out UIs, using different tools to collaborate. And quite often, it tended to be tedious, erroneous, and inefficient. And importantly, it didn't make for a great experience for everyone involved, right? Because there's always like, ah, but I said this, you said that, you know, a little bit of that. So a small group, the team felt like, hey, there should be a better way, you know, Let's reach out to the community and explore what's happening. So they went to meetups, you know, they spoke to a few people, and finally, from Seek, Seek had this thing called Playroom. You know, it's a tool where you kind of have your design system, you know, your templated components, and you can build your UI live and collaborate, and which which reduced the overhead of sharing things, 
right? And it wasn't easy for us to build that out or roll it out. However, it might touch on a few points later on is we had leaders who supported it and believed that, you know, to make these changes, you have to you have to invest something, right? Try and become 1% better every day. So it's, yeah, I think an organization should be willing to embrace change because I think without it, we'll just be, we'll be stuck in the stone ages, right? And importantly, from the, importantly for me too is um, learn best practices from others. You know, people have solved some of these things. Be, you know, humble enough to accept it, learn it, uh, critically analyze, do that, right? Um, but also at the same time, we should be willing to learn from our own data pool and history, right? I believe in the value of an external perspective and you know, something might be solved, you know, a problem might be solved, but quite often each organization has its own unique set of problems and culture and view that they should provide and we should be willing to listen to ourselves. Right? Um, another one for me, I think we've touched on this a few times now is, is to have an inclusive culture, right? No idea is too small, no opinion is trivial, right? Honing on the diverse experience and backgrounds to untap some truly wonderful ideas, right? My dad keeps telling me one plus one equals three, right? Because you get two great, you get two good ideas, you make one and you can make a third great idea, right? So I think it's it's quite often when you listen to people, they'll be like, oh, but you know, who wants to listen to me? You know, so-and-so said this. We're like, no, you need to make it everybody. Like think about a company of 5,000 people if you had like five people. <laughs> five people deciding or making decisions, right? Um, then I also believe that strong leadership and champions who believe in knowing to help share, promote and propagate, right? Because I don't think it's easy to switch from having a rigorous structure of just someone telling you what to do to changing to an experimentation mindset, right? So it requires purposeful thought and deliberate steps. And it really helps when you have champions who are curious about, uh, who are keen about a curious culture and help promote it, right? At the same time, help create time and space for this, right? So I think we need to create time and space. And lastly, I think um, incentives. You know, we all tick in different ways, but what's the incentive for the individual, right? Is it career growth? Is it progression? You know, what, what else? For some, it's just curiosity. Um, and I don't think there's a silver bullet for everyone, but I believe an organization needs to have individuals or groups who can help hone this curiosity and channel it, right? Um, this goes beyond having a system in place, like incentives, uh, tools, trainings, such as rotations, secondments, communities where you've got guilds, memberships, all right? Some companies have tuitions, um, tuition subsidies, reimbursement. So, I believe the tools are very important. Having that structure is important, but also, um, yeah, the culture, how we go about it, you know, everything we do, from everything we do, from everything we build, to structured learning, to career advancement. Yeah, so awesome. yeah, I think this might, awesome. in my view. Awesome, thanks Faraz. And Matthew, I'll move on to you next. Uh, what are your thoughts? Uh, I think Frisaki has uh, touched on a lot of uh, good points over there. Um, so I'm not going to go over the points again, but I think I'm going to drill down more into the fundamental of, you know, what makes an organization a good learning place. Um, I think from the foundation of an organization, we can actually think that, you know, foundation of it is people. You know, we focus on people because, you know, without a people, you can't 
see organization. So I think uh, if you want to create a culture, it comes from people too. So the, the most important thing is you know, to have people who are keen to learn, who are keen to share. I believe everyone will come across this scenario in the past, you know, they will, you might be in the office, you'll bump into someone, you know, um, near the water cooler and they will be telling you, hey, hey, Matt, you know that we have a new show on Netflix, it's so good, you know, you must watch it. This is something, what I mean is having the culture, you know, by sharing, you know, when you come to the office, you share something new that you have learned or you come across something new that you're keen to share with, you know, the team, that's what the culture comes from. And the culture comes from the people who are keen to share, who are keen to learn about the things that the other person are sharing. So I think the fundamental of you know having a, an organization you know that gives you a great learning place will be getting all the good people in one place, or at least start with a few people in the organization that slowly roll out the culture you know of sharing and learning at the same time. Awesome. Thanks a lot. Thanks, Matthew. And Anki, I'll uh, move on to you. Awesome. I don't know what else I could add after these <laughs> two. I mean, like uh, Rosek and Matt, you, you've covered a lot there, which is great. Um, I actually resonates with what I was thinking as well. Um, so I, I, I actually like, uh, you know, uh, place like three points, which are which I feel like the key things. Um, so in a nutshell, without covering a lot of ground there, I would say. Um, it's a place where people can come together with a growth mindset, um, with inherent curiosity to learn and continually improve. Um, place where there is like great feedback culture, a lot of knowledge sharing happening, that sort of a thing. Um, and where the leaders in the team really believe in continual development of their teams and actively invest on it and lead by example as well. Um, and where there are tools and infrastructure in place to make the whole thing easier for everyone because most of the time there might be like a training budget allocated, but people don't know how to access it or you know when to use it and that sort of a thing. Rosaika touched on it as well. Um, there is important, it's really important to kind of allocate the space and time for these sort of activities and make it like less barrier to entry for everyone to kind of use it and learn. Um, comes down to the culture of the company. So yeah, that's, that's my point. Awesome. Thanks. Thank, thank you. Thank all, thanks everyone for your answers. Uh, I really enjoyed them all. So mo moving on now to our second question, which is Matthew's, which is how to how do you encourage someone to learn when he or she doesn't want to learn? So yeah, maybe give some context uh, and yeah, I'll get your answer on that first, Matthew. Um, I, I'm sure uh, I would say every leaders you know, in the industry will come across a scenario where you want to encourage the culture, the learning culture in the organization. And there will be one person or at least two person you know, in the team will say, I'm not keen to learn. I'm happy with where I am. You know, mm, I'm, I'm all right. I'm all right. Um, <laughs> so I think that's where I got the question from, you know, how do we encourage someone you know, that is quite reluctant to learn something new? Um, maybe I'll share a personal experience. You know, I, I came across a person like this, you know, in my previous team. And um, what I've done here is actually I try to define, you know, what is learning to the person, you know, like what we have done, you know, at the early of this conversation here to find out what he thinks of learning. There are people who see learning as, you know, sitting in the classroom, going through the books, listening to someone, you know, talking for an hour or two, you know, and they will think that it's wasting their time. So I think it's important to know what learning means to them. And I truly believe that everyone, every human being is born 
to learn something. When you look at the baby, they are, they, the baby is learning every day, trying to learn how to, you know, um, walk, you know, trying to touch something, to sense and certain things. So every human being would love to learn because they have a scarcity in them, they're scared of losing. So they want to learn something new. For example, you know, if I tell you there's a good show on Netflix, you want to find out what it is because of the scarcity you have. So I think when it comes to learning, it depends on what kind of learning do you see it as learning. I would think that there are people who see that learning can be simply by going to a conference. A learning can be simply going to a meetup group. A learning can be simply talking to someone, you know, quite experienced in an organization to share certain topic with them. So learning can be any form and can be done anyway. So I will see that, you know, it's the, if you want to encourage someone to learn, the first thing is to find out what learning means to the person. The second thing is find out what other things you can do to support that person in any other form that he disliked initially. So that's what I think, and that's what I believe in. Awesome. Thanks, Matthew. Oh, we'll go back. Raz, do you want to add something there? Well, actually, I, I need to get Matthew's Netflix list. <laughs> he has used Netflix now a couple of times. I need to know what he's watching. So Matthew, we need to talk after this. <laughs> Absolutely. That, that's the culture I have in my team. You know, we always talk about Netflix, you know, when we have our yes. conversation. <laughs> I need to be like <laughs> that was me. Uh, and oh, moving on. Anki, uh, what are your thoughts on this one? So Matthew actually um, proposed a really good approach to define, you know, what learning means to that person, right? I was thinking it in a different direction where I was trying to understand what is actually blocking it, what is the barriers they're facing to actually get into it. Um, so on the on that topic, as like leaders or managers, that's probably one uh, good step we can actually take to approach this whole situation where someone doesn't want to learn or doesn't want to participate that way. Um, so there could be like multiple reasons which is stopping them from actually taking a step towards learning, right? It could be that some of the challenges they're facing could be the time capacity limits or lack of motivation could be one of them. But uh, most, most of the time, it's a lack of support or a structure that they can actually see Sometimes they could be totally overwhelmed with all the information that they have around, so they don't know how they can go about it. Um, so even in my team, you know, especially when uh, people are, you know, like learning a new platform or a technology for the first time, it is really hard because you obviously start comparing yourself with the rest of the team, and you feel like you're so behind, and you can't take that initial step to kind of get you moving. And it could be like really a big barrier for someone to kind of you know take that first step. Um, so a few things that in my mind, which we could do to kind of help them is you know defining like some smart goals, which is really specific, small, tiny steps and break it down for them so that it's easy. Okay, you know what exactly is that first step and really help them through the way to kind of get them to take it after that progress happens. So, um, you know, a, it could be pairing them with someone to do it together. It could be a mentor-mentee relationship you can set up within the team. Um, basically reducing that barrier of entry one step at a time and focus on one specific task and really allocate that time to do it. Reduce all the barriers around it and make that first step easy. And after that, I'm sure progress would slowly happen for anyone. So, um, uh, and also it's really important to sort of recognize and make it clear that you have noticed the effort sort of a positive reinforcement, right? Um, I don't think anybody would come there saying that I really don't want to learn. I think there is something behind it. So we need to sort of understand what it is and help them through. Um, that's that's what I would do. 
Yeah, agreed. Thanks, thank you for that. And moving on, last but not least, Rosanka, what are your thoughts on this uh, question? Great points from Matthew and Anki. <clears throat> A lot of similar thoughts for me too. Um, <clears throat> Because when 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 I read that question initially, I was like, "Oh, she so get the horse to the water, but the horse doesn't want to drink the water. Mm, what do we do?" <laughs> <laughs> but um, to be honest, uh, one uh, one of the key things for me here is um, I think to what both what Anki and Matthew touched on is really the why. Why aren't they interested? What is it? You know, is there something more on their personal front? You know, that's happening that we could help with, right? Is it sort of the you know employee assist? EAPs that we have in our companies that could help with that, you know. Do they have just too much going on that, you know, this is just not front and center? Again, I think coming back to how do we create the time and space, right? Um, and even the systems in place to what to which Anki mentioned, I feel that's why I believe in having a strong, robust system. So it could complement, uh, it could complement any efforts to help the person break the inertia. It provides structure, right? To, I think what I mentioned, feeling overwhelmed, um, you know, it got me thinking, you know, when you're in school, when I was in school, 12 years was ma mapped out for me. I knew exactly what I needed to do, go into classes, do my exams done. Uni was mapped out for me. Fantastic. Excited about graduation. Perfect. You graduate. Oh boy, what do I do now? Right? It's exhilarating, but at the same time, it's scary too. Right? So, and we all process things differently. Some people rush towards, you know, the unknown, they just love it. Other people like something a lot more structured. <clears throat> so I feel it's about tapping into each individual to understand what it is, that's what's their driver, like what makes them tick, and then working with them. Right? <clears throat> a really interesting quote recently said, a knowledgeable person without a curious mind is like poetry without essence. Right? So it's about, I think everyone is interested, but sometimes you just, you're just shy. Like, I'm not sure what I'm supposed to do now. <laughs> Right. Um, yeah, that's that's my awesome. view. Thanks for that. Thanks. And we'll move on to the the last. We might do one more question after this, but this is kind of broken up into to two questions here. Let's anchor yours. So, question is: What are some of the biggest challenges for leaders or managers when they try to cultivate a learning culture in an organisation? And then, so I suppose part two to that, and is there any difference in the challenges if your organization is a consultancy or a product company? So I'll get you to start first, Anki, and, and give, your give us your thoughts on that one. Oh, I thought these days are going to help me find the answers to these questions. <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> or you can uh, it's a tough question, so we need to really <laughs> dunk you. I guess like, uh, you know, like most of our roles, we would see this on a regular basis. Like uh, even though we have the best intentions, it is sometimes hard to enable the team and uh, you know get them to start um, using that time and plan and everything. Sometimes it could be staff engagement, you know, will willingness to give that extra effort uh, and setting that time aside for learning or using the opportunities that are available to all of them. Sometimes it's like competing priorities and deadlines and uh, you don't have the time and it this is learning is not my priority and I'm just going to focus on getting my work done, even though a lot of learning um, happens uh, at the job uh, while you work as well. Uh, sometimes it could be the budget and the time and, uh, you know, having access to what you need. Um, and most of the times I feel like the learning plans would be just nice to have rather than this is something we should definitely do. Um, 
And I see that it's a bit different in consultancy compared to product companies. Uh, I can't, uh, I have never worked in a product company, so I can't come, like say that um, with authority, but that's why I wanted to kind of share it with you guys to see what your thoughts are. Is it really different in consultancy and product company? And, um, you know, what are some of the challenges that you face as a leader um, when it comes to, you know, enabling that culture within your team? Awesome, thanks, thank you. I'll move on to you next, Rebecca. What are your thoughts on this one? Well, unfortunately for me, I haven't worked in a consultancy. <laughs> <laughs> so we have two halves of the coin here. <laughs> well, we can learn from each other now. Yeah, yeah I know. I could, I, could, I could guesstimate or, you know, sort of my imagination based on things that I've heard. But start with the first part of the thing. What are some of the biggest challenges? Um, I know I might sound like a broken record, but I feel like, again, the challenge is uh, when it comes, for me, it boils down to culture, right? Um, I think instilling experimentation as a key, right? Are we being brave enough, right? Do we treat everything as an experiment? And therefore, we're constantly, consistently learning. You know, it just becomes part of our DNA and who we are, right? And this, and I believe if we can do more of that, uh, we would feed into one of the biggest things I've all constantly heard from teams and organizations is we don't have the time. <laughs> First, the time to learn, right? Which is off. It, it, which to me sounds like you hear, you see the engine light flashing, but you know you don't have the time to go to the mechanic, right? Because you're got to go to school, you're got to do all of that. You know, life gets in the way, um, and not servicing your car. So, I think creating the space, you know, at team levels, it could be various things, you know, hacks, uh, hack days, you know, on-the-job learning, spend, with some of my team members, we do spending an hour, maybe three, four times a week, if they're, if you have, if they're following a structured course or certification, the first day of the hour, right, um, and again, I think, Anki, you mentioned this, the support systems, right, um, even setting, like, setting that up, uh, setting that up, making it effective, do people know, do we have champions in these roles, you know, to help reach out, because, I believe it's I believe it's also on the individual as much as organization. The organization needs to have certain things in place, but the individual also needs to take interest in their own growth and learning. We can try and tap and help break down some of that, but eventually the individual also has to come play uh, come to play. Consultancies versus product company. Hmm. Uh, <laughs> um, having been always in a product company, um, I think one of the things that comes into play is your learning versus relevance to the work that you're doing, right? So that's something like, oh, you know, I want to learn this thing, but it's not something we really use, you know. How do you sort of tackle that and go about it? I think there are a few, a few ways for that. Um, some we have often said, you know, encourage, you know, go ahead, try it out, see what it's for. You know, this is sort of where our trajectory is and just share your learnings and let's see what we can do with that, right? We have done that with a couple of our technologies. We had developers really passionate about Kotlin and Kafka and you know he went through it you know he learned it he demoed it he did project he fed it back into the guilds we looked at it we assessed we're like okay yeah sure teams let's start rolling it out one by one and they liked it so <clears throat> a few flavors there um yeah consultants I don't know Anki over that um my <laughs> my <clears throat> having work having had friends who are in, who are in consultancies my view on that is <clears throat> it does feel like because Consultancies also, you know, they offer expertise and services. So there is a need in a way to ensure that certain things are done. Um, that, that's my view from never having been in one, 
right? Be it, you know, whether it's, um, uh, you know, certifications, you know, often say like, hey, you know, we have got five people who have this certification. So those things are encouraged. Yes, Ankigo. Um, I guess like one of the key difference that I see with, uh, you know, being part of a consultancy, say, for example, if I want to kind of bring in someone junior to a particular team and then help them, you know, pair them with a senior and then get them to kind of learn and grow on the job. I find yeah. it hard being part of a consultancy compared gotcha. to you know, like yep. a product company. So that sort of a thing. Yeah. All ah, right. So uh, I then I think for us, it's a bit easier. Uh, because we do encourage, we bring on people who, you know, even senior people who do not necessarily have sometimes the uh, tech skill set. However, they do have, you know, your engineering training and, you know, years of expertise on that. So, yeah, it's on the job. We coach through it. We learn through it, you know, pair with an expert. Um, so we do. Yeah. So we do have that, I guess, going for us as a benefit. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that's what we do. And when it's required, when it's required, again, in horses for courses, right? When it's required, be it a formal training of some sort, you make that happen, uh, you know, whether it's a course, whether it's an in-house or remote. So based on what it is, yeah, we would choose uh, working with the individual, like, hey, what do you think of these things and what are your thoughts? And yeah, we try to map something out. Thanks, Sarah, Zeka. Matthew, tell, tell me you've worked with both. <laughs> <laughs> yes, in, in, I actually yeah. work in both. The unicorn. Uh, <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, I think Menki may have, Enki may have known this. You know, I, I used to work with her in the same organization, so it's more like a consultation, ah. um, consultancy company. And uh, I'm currently working in a product-based company. And in, in fact, I, I worked in product-based company um many years ago. So I can give you the view from both um organizations, and you can. Decided from yourself. <laughs> um, so maybe I'll, I'll touch on the questions, you know. So I think the biggest challenge for leaders, you know, uh, or managers when they try to cultivate a learning culture in an organization will be, you know, the support from the management. Um, I think as a leader, you know, it's quite easy for you to cultivate a culture because, you know, you can always work with your individuals, you know, understand their needs. You can even make up that career progression plan. You can always find something for them to learn. But at the end of the day, it depends on your management. Um, this is quite important because in an, a product-based company, it's easier for us to propose, you know, a time for us to create the learning um, culture for the organization, for the team. But in a consultation um, company, you know, it would be quite different because oh, oh, they, they have a lot of uh, deadlines they have to meet, a lot of deliveries they have to rush off to, to deliver. And most importantly, you know, they are talking about billable hours, you know, so it's quite challenging for them to, you know, take up an hour or two in a day just to focus on, you know, um, learning or even mentoring someone, you know, to learn some new skills. So I think the support from management will be very easy. Uh, crucial to cultivate the learning culture, especially when it comes to time and money, because in, to give them the time, you know, they have to give them non-billable hours for them to learn. At the same time, you have to make sure to provide the materials, the courses, or even the support that you need to, to uh, cultivate the learning um, culture in the organization. Um, 
as an SSR client, we have a very good program called Cronus, which will allow us, you know, to find our own mentor, you know, to to um, met with someone, mentees that you want to to mentor. Um, and you know, of course, Zenex is a product-based company. So, you know, we we always find time for each individual to, to learn or pair with someone, to learn from a mentor or even learn from a senior. Um, so I think the biggest difference between a product-based company and a consultancy company will be, you know, depending on how the management see, you know, um, the value in the name. If they can see the value in the name, they will always find ways to support and give you the, the flexibility to create a culture for the team. Awesome. Thanks, Matthew. Um, appreciate all your answers. Uh, we're gonna we'll quickly do one last one. I won't keep everyone too much longer. Um, but I suppose more so, you, maybe you don't have to answer it from maybe your current company. If you, you know, maybe it could be a past company, um, and you can say how maybe you guys implemented it then. But the, the question is, how is learning practically implemented into an organisation? So yeah, maybe you can just each say, you know, a company you've worked at and how it was implemented. Like, was it a group setting once a week? Was it self-directed? Was it online portings? Portals? Was it, you know, done completely on your own? Like, what was, you know, how was it implemented? And maybe, you know, what was it? Or just some context. Um, Rizek, I'll, I'll start with you. Um, what are your thoughts on this one? Um, <clears throat> my thoughts on this. I, it's, it's interesting, Matt, because based on what the learning is, the yeah. the tool changes, right? So the method of execution. So, for instance, in my uh, previous company, um, I worked at Credit Suisse, uh, part of IT and investment banking, where it was you had a structured program. There was a structured program for a lot of things. We did have a structured program. You know, they expected you to kind of go through some of this, um, especially if you're part of, you know, next leaders, young leaders, that sort of arrangement. You got that. And then when it came to, for instance, if you're adopting a new tool, there might be a base course you go for, right? And this is, you know, you know, other organizations, you go for a base course. And after that, you know, we identify a champion to help be kind of the mentor-mentee. So if you try to have like a mentor-mentee relationship, right? Um, focus groups, that's something I've observed uh, a lot more here at Origin. Um, there are, when people are interested in a topic, you know, this some of them, they form, Guilds, guilds or interest areas, and then just c consistently share some sort of uh, cadence, which I found quite interesting because um, it also encourages us to take the time during our weeks, you know, to kind of learn about that, share it, and also get used to a sharing culture. Um, yeah, that's awesome. that I had. Thanks for that, was okay. And Matthew, if maybe, yeah, current organization or recent one. Um, maybe I'll share something that I uh, usually uh, do for um, each organization that I work for uh, to cultivate the learning um, culture in the organization. So um, despite of having you know, the support uh, from the management or not, or despite having uh, the people who wants to learn or not, I think the fundamental of this you know, is to understand you know, uh, what they want to learn. Uh, I think I touched on this before, you know, depending on how they see learning is. Uh, but I always see that every individual would love to learn something. Um, and it, it can, they can learn it during working hours. They can also learn it after working hours. For example, if you are very keen on baking, you know, 
if you see a new kick somewhere, you want to give it a try, and especially if there's a new show on Netflix on baking. Oh, but, you know, I was going to say, I was but, waiting for Netflix. Putting it aside, you know, uh, the, the main thing is, you know, if you if you want to make a cake, a big kick, right, you, you, you want to spend time after hours just to find the right recipe, get the right ingredient, you know, just to spend hours and hours trying to, you know, make the cake just because you want to try it yourself. Um, I think it's the same thing. Uh, it depends on the mentality you have, you know, people will think that, oh, if I want to learn something about work, I have to do it during working hours. But it's not necessarily the, the right way to, to cultivate the culture. If you are keen to learn something new, you can do it anytime you want. You can do it during lunchtime, you can do it in between your projects, you know, um, if you're in a consultation company. Um, otherwise, you can also work it at home. Uh, I'm not encouraging you know, uh, to, to do learning after hours or work after hours, but no, you have to focus on work-life balance. But learning something new could be fun at the same time too. Um, I, I've created many interesting projects out of my own time, you know, because I want to learn something new. Uh, I think it depends on an individual and depends on the leaders on how you cultivate the culture to encourage them to find time to learn. Awesome. Thanks, Sarah. Zaka, do you want to jump back in? No, I, I like what Matt, uh, Matthew um jumped on there about the interest of the individual too. Like, you know, the organization also can do so much, but the individual also needs to have that appetite uh, and interest yeah. as well. And I guess part yeah. of what we do is try to maybe kindle that fire a bit <laughs> if possible. Yeah. yeah, yeah, agreed, agreed as well. And Anki, what are, what are your thoughts? Great points, Rosaika and Matthew. Um, when I heard this question, I was thinking about, you know, like in our company setups, um, looking back and reflecting on what I have seen um, throughout my career, um, I kind of drill it down into like three different levels. One on an individual level, then a team level and a company level and how learning is basically, you know, implemented in an organization. Uh, when it comes to an individual, you know, like I see you know, shadowing another team members to pick up a new skill. So say for example, if you're a developer and you're just going for a workshop with a designer to, you know, like see how things are done, how a discovery sprint is done or how workshops are facilitated and things like that. That itself is a learning, you know, you're doing an internal presentation within your team you are actually getting some presentation skills that's learning. So you're pair programming with another person to kind of like, you know, get their experience on how to approach problem solving, definitely. So things like that, there is a lot on individual level which can happen within a company. And often companies would have like a formalized training time and a budget allocated as well if you want to kind of go and use it to pick up a new, like something new skill or, even go for an external training or conferences or certifications or things like that. So in an individual level, what I see is like, you know, utilizing that training time or, you know, shadowing other team members to pick up new skills um, or going for that external training. All those things really like kind of help you. In the past six months, I have done three external trainings, which was amazing. I like, I look back and uh, how often do leaders get to kind of do that sort of a thing? I think we probably don't prioritize that. Um, and I believe in like, uh, you know, like when you um, when you ask your team members to do something, you should be willing to kind of give it a go and lead by example in a way. So I did a finance training, AWS training and a leadership training in the last six months. It, it was really on a roll. <laughs> yeah. um, 
and uh, when it comes to like a team level, um, it is important to kind of, uh, you know, like especially share that experience that you have on different projects and, you know, like share it with your team so that there is collectively everybody is improving and um, learning. So we do our platform catch-ups, which is like every platform teams, they come together on a fortnightly basis and they basically do like a show and tell something they worked on in the previous couple of weeks. Um, and they talk about the challenges they're facing. Um, you know, they talk about like certain decisions they have made. Um, so those are like experience that you're passing into the rest of the team. Um, and if there is anything new tech or anything that is uh, out there in the, in the platform, like this is a forum where they do like talks and things like that, they, they, where they can actually touch about it. And uh, on a company level as well, learning and improvement is really important. I don't know how um, like all the other companies do, um, but uh, you know, like lunch and learns and things like that, where you can actually showcase a product that you worked on to the entire company. So uh, everybody knows what are we working towards, <laughs> what are we actually developing? Um, and also, you know, like uh, even if it is just watching videos together on a particular topic, which is during lunch times and things like that, that itself could be considered as a company learning. Um, we do one thing, which is, which I don't know whether other companies do, uh, we do like a company retro um, every two months. I haven't seen that in, you know, like in all the other companies, but a few companies do that. Uh, Transfer is one of them, where the whole company comes together to do a to run a retro about the company. So we look back and you know, like a, a couple of months and things that worked well, things that didn't work. Typically, how you would run a retro, uh, and actually write down actions on how we can improve. That itself to me shows something, you know, like you're en engaging the whole company to come together and continuously improve. And anybody can raise any point and you discuss it and all the leaders are there and that sort of a thing, um, which is really, really good. And also when we, uh, so those were my three levels that I thought about, which kind of, you know, like across your company, what sort of learnings you can actually do in all different levels. And also we make it part of our interview process when we look for hiring a new candidate. Uh, we look for that learning appetite. Uh, you know, are you uh, are they curious enough? Do they like experimenting? I always ask, you know, what are you currently learning? What is your approach to learning? That is one of my interview questions. <laughs> so we do that um, because we, we think it's really important. So even if you have all the place, uh, all the tools and everything in place, even if you have the infrastructure in place, you the individual need to have that curiosity to kind of like learn as well which is important i think rosaika um touched on that before so yeah awesome thanks Tanaki. matthew do you want to jump in oh we've got two hands yes, I, <laughs> uh, I, I think i'll touch on a bit on uh, how to actually uh prepare the learning uh path you know for software engineers uh, i was once a software engineer too so i totally understand the the process on, on, on how to schedule a senior when want to learn certain new new skills or new technology. Uh, but I think one of the most uh, ask, question asked to me is to know that if you were to just shadow someone or actually you know jump onto a project you know, from time to time, you may know the basic of the certain technology, but you won't actually get your hands on it enough to actually master that technology. Um, one of the problems I see in consultancy company will be, you know, they always get the opportunity for you to shadow someone. But at the end of the day, when you ask them about the outcome of learning, they won't be able to tell you what it is because they only barely touch on it. So I think um, when it comes to learning, it's always good to uh, define the goal, 
at least the objective and then and focus on the outcome based you know uh learning methods to actually allow them to learn or shadow someone and at the end of the day they will be able to tell you i've achieved this or that to actually show the outcome of it awesome Thanks for that. And Rosaka, did you have something then? Or choked your hand up a little bit? <laughs> uh, yes, <clears throat> I I wanted to um, tell you, I think it was well, very well categorically broken down at the various levels, uh, which was really good. I think naturally you don't think of it sometimes in that way, but that, I think that was really good. And to what Matthew just mentioned about, uh, yes, the shadowing, the overview. So <clears throat> with a couple of new tech that we rolled out, similar, you had a brown bag, you know, gills, et cetera. And they're like, oh, yeah, it's cool, but, you know, not until we actually do it. But now as the individuals and teams are picking that up, now they're seeing the rubber hit the road and it's 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 actually actual it's actualizing for them. So, yeah. Awesome. Thanks, everyone, for your answers. Well, I think we'll leave it there for now. So thank you all for listening. I look forward to catching you all next time on the Evelyn Exchange podcast.